Thanks. Hey, Matt. He said hello to me. I know you guys can't hear oh, him It's yet, on now. It was a hello. Oh. He's uh, talking about trials. Am I? Yeah. Well, oh, I am. I hope so. That's what it says. So do I. Um, before you get started, I just really want to say a prayer for you, because oh, uh, this is pretty nerve-wracking for those that have not done it. I can imagine that you'd be feeling pressure if you were asked. So Matt, I'm just going to pray for you. Lord, we just thank you for Matt. We thank you for his heart that you've given him. We thank you for the wisdom that you're going to be speaking through him today, and I just ask that his words will be your words, and they can really um, influence and impact us as we Take in what you are saying through him. So bless him, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Right. Shall we delve into it? Sorry, unlock my iPad. It's funny, when you talk to Robert about actually being up here, you never actually envision being up here. But here we are, and we're on a journey, and we're going to go through it together. So we're going to start at the start. Um, my name's Matt. I'm going to share a bit about me, and not, not stuff that you know, but stuff you don't know, because at the end of the day... I am up here now telling you to believe me and to believe what I'm telling you. And I can't do that if you just know the, the me of, you know, we have a coffee and we have a chat. But the reality is, I'm a Christian. I love Jesus. I've loved Jesus for like over 20 years. But I'm also a father of a gorgeous son. I'm a husband to an amazing wife. I'm about to be the father of hopefully another Son, daughter, who knows, in um, November. And I'm excited, but I'm also fearful. You know, every part of me fears that something could go wrong. You know, and I know God can heal, and I have sickness, and I know God can heal me, but yet sometimes I believe God won't heal me, and I don't know why. And so I'm not coming here saying I am the guy who knows everything, but what I'm saying is I've been on a journey, and I am, I'm taking you through my journey, and I'm going to share some other stories along the way, but the reality is... My job here is to help you guys, if you're on that journey, to show you the way, to guide you along, to help inspire you to the next step. And I was really encouraged because Miriam, she gave a word at the um, prayer meeting, which it just really, it just fired me up because she was like, you know, the Lord is calling us on. He's, he's taking us on a journey. He's moving us as a church down to other places, to new places. And I thought, this is great because what I'm going to share today is about removing the roadblocks. What I'm going to share today is about the things that stand in your way that you can't get around and you don't see a way out of, how we sometimes put it to the side, how we go through, but how we can keep moving on so that we're not stuck in this place where we are just there and we can't see a way out, but the Lord is freeing us. So I want to, um, I want to share a story of um, three guys. Um, their names are Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. Um, they had other names, but I can't pronounce them well, so I'm going to go with their, um, their, their, their other names. So, um, yeah, so these three guys, um, they're in the book of Daniel. Um, we're going to put it up later, just the, the chapter three where we're going to really delve into, but we're just going to do a bit of a, bit of a history of their life. You know, these, these three guys were, um, they were Jews, they're in Israel, and at the time they grew up in Israel, they knew the Lord, they loved the Lord, and life was going great for them. And then one day, a king came in, King Nebuchadnezzar. And he came in, and he, he took over everything. And in a heartbeat, these people went from being comfortable and knowing, knowing their God, knowing their religion, knowing their everything, you know, all their security, it was ripped away. 
And these people were ripped out of that comfort of knowing their God, knowing their place in the world, knowing everything, to being in a, they got, um, these people got actually seconded into the, oh, the advisors of the king, so to speak. So they were, they were learned people and knowing people, so they got pulled into this. Now, they didn't speak the language. They didn't know the customs. They were completely removed from everything that they were comfortable with. So everything that they held on to, any security that they had in themselves was gone in a heartbeat. And, you know, the Lord blessed them, you know. I think David and, or Daniel, sorry, and those three, they actually started the first, I believe, vegan diet of vegetables and water. I think the trend's kicking off. And so, you know, and the Lord blessed them through that, you know. They decided that we're going to actually, we're going to be faithful in what we eat. And as they did that, the Lord blessed them. And then... You know, and they rose to the ranks and become prominent members of the king's like hierarchy of advisors. And then one day the king said, I've had a dream. And everyone's like, Great, go king, tell us a dream so that we may interpret it. And he's like, I've got a plan. How about you tell me the dream and then you interpret it or I'll kill you? <laughs> and now this, this is a bit of a stitch up. And so, of course, none of the advisors, because these weren't men of God, these were just people who were trying to pretend to be, you know, knowledgeable people. These were pretending to be people who could see beyond what could be seen. And these guys were like, we can't do that, king, but if you tell us, oh, then we can tell you. And the king's like, no, you're all charlatans. How can I know that what you're saying is true unless you tell me what I've dreamed? And, of course, now at this point, everyone was, I imagine, freaking out a bit because... You know, and then so eventually Daniel and his um, and the boys found out about this, and so they they got together and they prayed, and they said, you know, God, we need to know the dream and we need to know the interpretation. And then Daniel got that interpretation, he got that dream, and he took it to the king, and he said, King, here is your dream, here is what it means, and I won't go into details of it, but you know, the reality is, he brought him the dream. He every step that the king put down, he answered in faith. And so this has really it's built them up to this place where, you know, in the king's eyes, these were men of God. These were men who understood what I was going through. Now, it's interesting because I think in my life, when I think about being in a comfortable place that they were at the start, and then one day changing, we need to understand that it happens in an instant. You know, one day I was, um, I used to skydive, I used to jump out of planes, it used to be great fun. And um, I had to give it up due to illness, but I still love it. And one day I was trying to be a bit cocky, as, as you do when you're, I say young, but as you're a male under the age of 40, and I was trying to do this, this sweet swoop around a tree and then just slide on my feet, just holding the parachute, just gliding along and just stop. And, and I did, and it was magical. And I imagine people were cheering. Like, I couldn't hear it, but you know they were. However, I got to the very end when I just finished and I hadn't quite calculated the weight of my parachute, and I went backwards. <laughs> it, it ruined everything. And as I put my hands back, I, um, I hurt them. Now, later we found out I actually did break some bones, but what happened after that was I started to notice discomfort after the healing. Now, it may have always been there, I may have focused on it, but I started to notice this. And I thought, oh, this isn't good. And at the time, I was... Early 30s, I was in amazing health. I'd run like 10Ks a day. Life was great, you know? And then slowly but surely, I got worse. 
and I got worse, and I got worse, and I'd go to doctors, and they would say, oh, you have this. And I'm like, great, let's do something about it. And they're like, okay, we'll do this. And then it wasn't that. And then, oh, you've got this. And I've had carpal tunnel surgeries. I've had medicines. I've been poked with needles. I've had needles guided in with an ultrasound. I've had all of that. And these people were saying, this is what's wrong with you. And it wasn't what was wrong with me, unfortunately. And eventually I found out what I do have. I have rheumatoid arthritis. Now that is something I will carry till the day I die or the Lord heals me. But that is something that I fear because it is something that I take drugs to fix me and with the drugs, I, it is life-changing. Without the drugs, I could barely open doors. So this is where I'm at and this is a life that I could go back to because one day the drugs may stop. One day I may be stuck in a place where all everything that was making me normal has stopped and I am back in that place of sickness, of fear, of being trapped. So I know what it's like to be trapped. But, you know, it's like, sorry, yeah, I know what it's like to be trapped, and I've lived in that life. And so it's about overcoming that thing, about accepting where you are and overcoming. And so I think in our lives, we all have something that, you know, holds us back. We have something, it may be sickness. You know, it may be that, um, apologies, yeah, maybe health, maybe relationships. I know there's people who are thinking, where's, where's the Lord going to bring me a partner? Or they're in a relationship and they're like, when's the Lord going to save our marriage? Or when's the Lord going to do this? We are all in broken places because we are broken people. And the Lord sees this. And it breaks my heart that we are in this place because I know that there are people today who are suffering. And later today we're going to have a, a, a ministry time and we're going to, I'm going to be at the front, I'm not going to be ministering, I'm going to be ministered too because I am as broken as everyone else here, but we're going to be at the front and we're going to have breakthrough because we have amazing people, we have amazing intercessors who will come and they will pray. And I know that my Bible says that when we pray, the Lord heals. And I'm going to stand on that because today we are cha- we're turning a corner. We're turning a corner as a church from being a church who, who sometimes thinks, Maybe he could, and that's where I'm at now, to a church who says, our God can. And I stand on what Tori said. I've been healed. That is the truth that I'm standing on when I say these things. So we're not speaking as people who don't understand. We are speaking as God-fearing people who have seen what's happened and not understand. And so um, I want to move on to um, John 10.10. 10. You know, it talks about a thief coming in to steal, kill, and destroy but I have come that you may have life and life in abundance. Now, this is great because when we think of life in abundance, I think, you know, like skydiving down to a bungee jump, and then bungee jump to a whitewater raft, and then whitewater rafting down the river. Fun fact, to all those things I would do, one I would never do. Bungee jumping is just dodgy. You get a guy with a rubber band pushing you off. He's not committed. He's just doing some dodgy math and pushing off a bridge. Don't do it. No good can come from it. <laughs> Side note, but I think very important takeaway. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's, but it's like we, God comes to give us life, but I think we picture our life as being different. What we picture life in abundance to be isn't what it's meant to be because the Bible says the thief comes to lie, kill, and destroy. Now, lying is what he does best. His best weapon is to make him believe that he does not exist. 
Now, I've, I live my life a lot of the time thinking God loves me, and that's it. But we need to understand that God loves us, but there is an entity, an enemy, who is against us, whose sole purpose is to make us walk away from our faith. Or, if he can't do that, to negate our faith to the point where we are, worthless, we are useless Christians. And if he can do that, in his mind, he's won. Now, I think the, the best powerful tool he does is he sells us a dream of what life in abundance is. Because he can't, he can't change the word of God. That is an absolute. But he can change our perception of it. So when I say life in abundance, we all think, oh, well, you know, skydiving to bungee jumping to whatnot. But that is not what Jesus did. Jesus came and Jesus showed us what life in abundance was. Now, what he showed was not, you know, about glory. It wasn't about, you know, he wasn't living in a rap video with like a big pool and like, you know, all the things that the kids want these days. Yeah, Tori knows. Um, but what he was saying was he came and he just, he just lived with people. You know, he came and he healed. He came and did miracles. And I think the abundance of life that we really should be looking for is the miracle side of things. You know, because that is what God did. Jesus came and he healed people. He turned water to wine. He rose the dead. He got people to walk over land. That is life in abundance. Now, that's not to say that, you know, he didn't have ailments along the way. He may have, like, stubbed his toe and be like, oh, well, my toe's sore. But that didn't stop him living that life. And so I think we need to understand that what, if we know what life in abundance is, we can then know what we're overcoming to, which is a key point. Because if we not know where we're going to and we're trying to set our goals elsewhere, then when God prevails, we don't think it's the real thing. We think, oh, God's overcome, but I want to be here, not here. And so we can live in this whole false thinking of God hasn't yet overcome. Oh, yeah, sorry. Right, well, how about we, um, we check back on the boys in chapter 3, because i got a feeling the kings, you know, they've, they've talked to the king, the king loves them now. I think it's going to be good. I think they've turned a corner, and I'm, I'm feeling confident that now things are going to go great. Ooh, well, verse 1 doesn't seem great at all, does it? So it appears the king's now made a statue that is 60 cubits high, which is... Um, yeah, quite high, actually. So that's about 23 metres and about 5 metres. That's a lot of gold, just side note. Um, so what he's done is he's now made the statue. And this, this, puts our, um, this puts the guys in a bit of a situation because they're now in this place where the king has said, I've built this amazing statue. And then he says, and now when the music plays, everyone must bow to their knees and must worship the statue. Now, this is an affront to everything these guys believe. You know, they are devout Jewish people. They know the law, they follow the law, and they, the Lord has blessed them because they are godly men. So they know the law, and the law is pretty clear in um, Exodus, 4 and 20, uh, Exodus 20, 4 and 5. You know, you shall, make, you shall not make for yourself images in the form of anything in heaven above, earth beneath, or waters below. You shall not bow down to them, worship them, for I am the Lord your God, and I am a jealous God. So that is pretty clear that these guys know what not to do. And yet, they're kind of in the situation where the king's like, you've got to bow down. Now, if I were them, and I'm pretty sure they were probably thinking the same thing, it's like, you know what, 
there's a lot of people here. We could probably just probably just sit at the back and just, you know, like, when everyone bows, we'll just, like, stretch or something and pretend like we didn't hear it and, and we'll get away with it. And they may have. If it wasn't for those damn kids, or well, in this case, the astrologers and everyone else, I'd probably angered in verse two, in chapter 2 when they, you know, when no one else could do miracles and then they perform miracles. So these guys were angry and so they went to the king and said, Oh, king, didn't you say that when the music plays... And that, you know, that everyone would just bow down to your idol and your greatness. And um, the king's like, yeah, I did. And he's like, wow. If you've seen these three over here, they're not doing it. And the king was furious. You know, and he was like, why aren't you bowing down? And it's like, sorry. Yeah, but these guys knew. These guys knew that there was an obstacle in their path but they could not bow to it because their faith did not allow them to submit to something that wasn't of God. Now, um, they had to make a choice. Literally, bow down to what was in front of them or death. Now, in our lives, we, we make similar choices. We don't, I suspect no one's had a big statue and death put across them, but every day, we make choices. We come across something an idol, a block, something in our way, and the, we are made to choose between a godly path and a non-godly path. Now, in Romans 6.23, it says, The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ who strengthens us. So whilst, we're not, whilst every decision isn't a literal life and death scenario, we make life and death scenarios every day because every day we make decisions. We either stand on the word of God and we pass through, push through, or we try and work our own understanding. We try and do what we think is right, and we, and we don't. And so when we say the wages of sin is death, every time we make a choice, we either do the godly way and the non-godly way, and that is sin. Relying on our understanding is sin. And so every time we take that path, we take a step towards death. And then, so we're going along here. Every time I go this way and this way, all of a sudden I'm here. I want to be there and I'm here. And that is what we do. Every time we make that choice, we need to understand every time we make a choice, we're either aligning ourselves with God or we are not. Now, I have seen so many people in my faith walk away from Christ. Now, these people have been heroes of mine. You know, These are people that I would have thought would be up here doing what I'm doing now, well, I would be the ones living a sinful life. I would never be voted most likely to be still saved in our youth group. It's just a reality. Like, you didn't know me, but if you did, you'd be like, yeah. I was, I, was, I was not saved even when I was saved, and I've been on a journey. But these people, I just looked up to them. These were spiritual heroes of mine. But every time... They come across something, something hard. You know, it wasn't just, oh, I've broken a nail, oh, no. But it's like, you know, they had relationships that fell over and they could not see a way through. So they thought, this mustn't be God. God says, give me life in abundance. I'm not getting life in abundance. It's all a lie. And so away they walk. Because in their mind, their vision of life in abundance didn't marry up with what was happening and so away they went. You know, I've had people who who couldn't marry up their lifestyles with what the Lord wanted, so they walked away. You know, I've had people with sickness who say, the Lord should heal me, he hasn't healed me, and they walked away. 
And so I want to hammer this home because we need to know that our choices um, determine where we end up. And we're all faith people here, but we could all make wrong choices and give in to things and potentially end up away from God. Some of us even thinking we are God, but the Bible says, you know, on the final day, people will come to me who have done miracles. This, this is really confronting to me because these people, they, you healed the sick, but I will say, be gone from me. I did not know you. So this is the reality of our life, that when we choose to follow God, we have to choose to follow God. Not when we choose to, not when we want to, but all the time. So... um. Uh, yeah, clever Jesus. Okay, so, well, point one, I'll, I'll clarify. Point one, life isn't fear. I should really specify my points. Apologies, my PowerPoint is weak. I, I do not profess to have a good PowerPoint game. Glenn has saved it from what it was to this, and we are thankful for that. <laughs> so there will be no, um, there will be no fritty points and sub points. I have three points, that's it. The third point's not going to turn into eight sub points. It's just going to be three points. The second point is following God is always a choice. I've kind of covered on this, but we're going to loop back around because, um, yeah, as I say, the astrologers, they called them out. They said, hey, guys, these guys aren't bowing down. Now, at this point, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, they had a choice. And they probably had an easy choice because the reality is they were in a place where everybody else was doing the bowing down where everybody else was giving in to what the king wanted. So there was no judgment. They could easily have said, you know what, we'll bow down now, we'll live, we'll do a sacrifice, we'll, we'll pray, and life will be good. Like, you know, the Lord will forgive us, and life will go on. But they chose not to. You know, they chose a hard option, knowing that it led to death. And that is the, that's the, you know, and when we're in those hard times, we need to sometimes choose that hard option. Not just say, it's not for me, but to actually say, there is a hard option and I'm going to choose it because there is breakthrough in choosing the hard option. There is breakthrough when you confront what's in front of you and say, this will not determine who I am. My sickness won't determine who I am because I'm a child of God. I may not be able to like walk properly or open doors, but that still won't determine who I am. That will determine what I can do, but not who I am. So, um, yeah, as we talk about the astrologers and the king, um, I struggled with this. I, I almost didn't bring this, but I think, I think it's important that we also, we also kind of touch on this. I, I love to think that I'm the hero of my own story. You know, we all picture, you know, when you're living your life and you're ever telling a story, you're never like, oh, and then someone else came and saved the day and I was just a noob who didn't know what I was doing. No, you frame it like, oh, this other guy came, but I had it and I let him do it. You know, whatever, whatever way we want to frame it, we are always the hero of our own stories. Now, unfortunately, sometimes if I'm honest, I am not always the hero of my own story. And I think if we're all honest... We are not the hero of our own stories at times. Now, we don't like to admit it because, once again, we like to project, a, project an image that we are like great Christians who always do the right thing. But the reality is sometimes we're not. And I think sometimes we want to be the ones, we have ideas and we want other people to bow down to those ideas, to agree with us when we're wrong. 
you know, to really, and that's an idol. If I'm trying to convince Robert that, hey, this is my idea, and Robert's and elder's like, no, and then I'm like, oh, come on, Robert, you know, then if I'm pushing that, I am pushing an idol and saying to Robert, bow down to my thinking because I believe it to be right, and that may not be right. And we need this now because we're going to a time where we're going to search for a new pastor, and there will be disagreements. There will be people who have the ideal of a pastor, and it may not be that. And I say this because I am one of those people. I have had that conversation with my family saying, oh, well, if the pastor's not the right pastor, then I might leave the church. It may not be right for me. And it's hard to say this because, once again, I want to be seen as the good Christian. But the reality is some of us have those thoughts. And that is getting up. And then if I then push that and said to Anna and be like, Anna, this is what the pastor should be. I mean, she'd say, no, she's an elder. But, you know, it's like... You know, we can try and push our agendas, but that isn't living in God. That is pushing our agendas, getting other people to bow down to an idol that is not right. And then if they bow down, we're causing them to sin. And so I think sometimes we need to be captive in our own thoughts. We need to be very, yeah, we need to be, when we have passion ideas, we need to capture them and, and really dissect them because I think, especially around the pastor side of things, I think we need to understand that there is a committee. They are great. My mother-in-law's on it, so I have to say it's great because I'm living with them at the moment. <laughs> but I'm sure they are doing a great job, actually. But um, we need to have faith that whatever pastor we get is the right pastor, and it is what God wants. And I'm excited for that. And I'm not going to, if it's not who I agree with, I'm not going to leave. I will stand here and say that because I believe God has planted me here. And I believe who God appoints has been appointed for here. And if I don't agree with that, I will change. Because I need to be the one to change because God won't change. So I need to accept. And that's hard. And if it is, if I do have to change, I will battle with that. But I need to share the truth. And the truth isn't always easy. The truth isn't always fluffy. But we need to be in that place of submission as well. Now, the, sorry, I had a second point. I got to yeah, so if you are one of those people, like we're going to have some prayer later, come down the front. I plead with you to come down the front because we won't ask why you're down the front. Hopefully there'll be lots of people ministering with God, but if that's something that you carry, the Lord can free you from that. So, yeah, it is a desire of mine that we be free because we are going to a new chapter in church. And we're going to change the church. And we're going to grow as a church. And I believe we're going to see miracles in the church. And I don't think anyone deliberately wants to be the person that holds that back. And so if, if your heart is beating, you're thinking, oh, maybe, maybe I have done that, then there is freedom from that. And so, yeah, I hope that um, as you come down that we can have that. Um, the second thing is that we are free. The second takeaway is that we're free to, we're free to make a choice. You know, as I said before, these guys, they had a choice. And once again, if they bowed down, there was no repercussions in a worldly realm. The king wanted it. They could have done it. They probably would have been rewarded for it. You know, they would have done better if they'd submitted to God than if they hadn't. So it's like, in their mind, there was, apart from the spiritual, there was no physically bad option. But they didn't. You know, they said, we will not do this because it is not in our faith. Sorry. 
covered that. Covered that. Apologies, I've got lots of notes and highlighters. I'm like, oh, I should say that, but I've already covered that. Da, da, da. Next time I'll be more polished, I promise. Yeah, so, I mean, to recap, this, you know, life isn't fair. Things will happen, you know. You may, things may happen to you or things may not happen to you. You may not get that promotion you want. You may not get the relationship you want. You may be in a relationship that you wanted but then didn't, hasn't turned out to be what you wanted. You know, there are so many things that are just, that just don't go to plan. And the devil uses all of them to come in and to manipulate you and say, this isn't life and this isn't life in abundance. And the reality is, no, I relate to all of these things. Like everything I've shared, I share because it's affected me. And once again, I said at the start, I'm taking you on my journey so that if you're in that place, I can show you where to go. Now, point three is freedom comes when you choose to believe in things that seem impossible. So, um, yeah, so now here we are. The guys are in the situation where they're before the king and all his advisors who would accusing him of doing horrendous, of, you know, not bowing down, and the pressure must be on. There would have been thousands. I'm picturing a desert scape with a monstrous statue, like thousands of people baying to worship this thing, the king, like, you know, commanding them all, and these three guys who stand against it. That's my picture when I see this. I see these guys as being right there, all that against them, and... They stood, and I love what they said because the power, is, it's just so powerful. Like They just look at the king and say, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in these matters. For if we were thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us, and he will deliver us from it. Now, what they've done is they've proclaimed God's truth in the situation. You know, and, but they've stood on what's happened before, you know, these are people who have seen God answer prayer. You know, when they prayed for the knowledge of a dream, the Lord gave it to them. So they aren't praying on nothing. They are praying on a foundation that they know. And that's why when we celebrate people's healings, we need to, we need to bring them to our hearts. We need to journal these things because in the tough times, we need to stand on what God has done to know that what he will do in the future is possible. And so, yeah, journal. If you don't journal, journal your prayers. Because it's amazing when you go back and you look at them and it's just like bang, bang, bang. But you don't, sometimes you don't realize. I know we did a, we side note, I was in a, in a cell group when I was like 18. And we made a wee, um, we made a wee journal of our prayer requests. And then it, it fell by the wayside and about two years later we actually found it again. And we went through the 10 things. That also be interesting. We went through the 10 things. They'd all been answered. But they'd been so obvious and so resolved in such a way that we didn't see God in it. It just seemed like, oh, this has just happened. That was lucky. But it's not to you think we asked for this and God provided that you can actually stand on that truth. And so journal your prayers. You know, remember the, remember the victories. Because if you don't remember the victories, it's hard to stand in those tough times. And if we're not standing, we're going back. And so we need to stand on what God has done. And so these guys went to the king and said, God will save us. And the king, and then um, actually the next verse is what I believe is, for me personally, one of, one of my most powerful Bible verses. You know, 
Because they say that God can deliver us from this. But even if he won't, I will, we will still not bow down to your idol. And in that, they accepted that God may not always do what we want. And there and there's the power that they've said, God, you know, King, we believe that God can save us. And we believe he will save us. But even if he won't, I will not bow down. You know, and that is resilience right there. To know that sometimes God doesn't work as we want. And the Bible is full of people who have said, and even if he won't, and he hasn't. You know, history is full of even if he won't, and he hasn't. So it's not that it does it as we, we don't, it doesn't always plan out as we, as we want it to, you know. But it always plans out as God wants it to. So I think, you know, some of us here today are sick. Actually, can I have the band come up? I'm not sure on there. Oh, no. We're going to have a, yeah, come up and I'll just, we'll keep working it through. So once I come up, we're just going to, I'm going to close off soon and we're going to have some awesome prayer time. I mean, some awesome ministry time. We're going to come up the front. I implore everyone to come up the front. Heck, if no one's here to pray and we're just praying for each other, that'd be amazing because that is what the church is, you know. And so I think as we, but we want to stand on those truths that, you know, even if God won't, I won't, you know, I won't back down. You know, I am sick. But even if God won't save me, I won't back down. You know, and I know I've got a, I've got a story just to, um, to finish up. That it's, it's a hard story, and it's not, it's not an easy story. But um, when my dad had cancer, I was like 23 when he died. And um, he was over in Australia, and I was in New Zealand. And I tried so hard to convince him to, to give his heart to the Lord. You know, me and my brother went over there, we... We got him Bible tapes. We, we got him, like, all these things. We tried all we could to give his heart to the Lord. And then I remember one Thursday, it's one of those things you remember because you remember, I got a phone call from my auntie saying, he's on the way out. And I thought, you know, and, but we're going we're gonna to ring a cell phone. It was back in the days we not even have one. And we're going to take him into his room. He couldn't even sit up in his bed. And you can talk to him one last time. And so I told him I loved him. And we shared, you know, we shared stories. But then at the end, I was like, this is your last chance, Dad. Do you want to give your heart to the Lord? And he said, no. And it's like, I've lived how I lived, and I'll die how I die. And that broke my heart. But the reality is, he may, he may not have got into heaven. But God may have come to him at the end. I don't know. But even if he hasn't, I still won't back down. That won't be a roadblock in my life. I won't let that trauma and that grief be the thing that holds me back from serving God. You know, the Lord could, the devil could use that as a God didn't save your dad. You shouldn't care. And people have. People walk away because of that. Or the Lord hasn't healed your sickness. Or you haven't got that pay rise. Or you, you haven't got the job you want. Or you haven't got the relationship you want because, you know, the Lord won't bless you. But it's not that he's not blessing you. It's that sometimes we need to break through things. Sometimes we need that resilience to say that God can and will do things, but even if he won't, that I will not back down. And so that is what we're saying today, that even if God won't, we won't back down. Now, on the, on the story of my father, it's interesting that at the end, I, um, we had a funeral, a memorial for him in Christchurch, and one of his golf buddies came and chatted to me afterwards. And it's like, oh, I thought your dad was a Christian, actually. And I was interested, and... At the end, it was like, he was like, well, every time we'd bag like God and Jesus, he would be the one defending it. He would always be the one saying, hey, you know, there's something to this, and don't just, 
don't just give them grief. And so it's like, he was a man who, even though didn't believe, he stood, for, he stood up for God in a time when maybe I wouldn't have. And so I don't know. And so I hold on to the belief that God came at the end. But even if he didn't, I still won't be backing down from God. And so if there's anything in your life that is holding you back from that journey that we're going on as a church, now is the time to actually say, I'm not going to be held back anymore. I am going to break through. And I believe today God can and will break through. But even if he doesn't, we're going to put it to the side. We're going to put a pin in it and we're going to keep moving with that there because that is not going to hold us back from God's vision. That's just something that we need to work through at a later date. So, um, yeah, I'm going to close. The band's going to sing, but I just really want to encourage you guys. Come to the front. Um, if the intercessors are around and want to pray, that'd be amazing. You know, if anyone wants to come and give their heart to the Lord or share, like there's plenty of people at the front. If I'm the guy you want to talk to, perfect. If I'm not, there are plenty of others. So um, I'm going to put up the... Oh, they're already up there. So I've put all my Bible verses up there. Please check them. Please read the verses Check what I'm saying. Don't take what I'm saying as right just because I say it. I am not a biblical scholar. I am not a theologian. Trust me, no one will ever accuse me of that. But what I am is someone who's lived life. I've lived these passages. I've lived this verse. And I want you guys to live that too. So, over you guys. Let's stand.